Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cloud Spotting. We are on season two, episode eight. And for all you loyal listeners out there, might be wondering who on earth is this in my ears right now? Well, that's fine. And you'll be wondering where and what I have done with Alex and Sai. Rest assured, they are safe and they will be joining us momentarily. Let me introduce you to myself. My name is Sumit Sharma. I'm a solution architect at Rackspace, working in the same group and division as Alex and Sai. Been at Rackspace nearly eight years. Why I am here and opening up the show is to talk to you about yourself, about your comfort zones and that cushy place in which you operate. Comfortable place you're sitting in, whether that's your job, your home life or your friendship circles. Basically, I'm calling you out right now and asking you, are you doing the things to make yourself grow? Because if not, that simply will not do. It's time to do something new. It's time to create a new challenge for yourself and ultimately a new world. And you do this by stepping out of your comfort zone and into a new world, whether that's learning a new skill, reading a new book, or learning something you've never learned before. It's time for some personal development. Let's bring back Sai and Alex. Welcome, guys. Look, thank you. Right. That was a very good introduction. Alex, maybe we should do this every episode. It was way more professional than we ever do as I an know. introduction, if I'm honest. I know, I know. Sorry, viewers. <laughs> okay, so, so now that you're both here, <laughs> I want to start by asking you both something that you are currently challenging yourself with. What's the new thing that you want to do? What's next? This is a very good point. Uh, and it's something that, that uh, we're trying to adapt at home actually not at work trying to get away from devices oh, after we go home okay it's 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 a big problem like di- digital detox yes there's a there's a new feature in in android what's it called digital well-being Ooh, yes where, where they can things turn off mm-hmm. automatically at a certain time so okay how, how are you implementing this what are you doing so uh the goal is uh after a certain time in the evening no one touches their phones no ipads no kindles till in, till the morning and the, the idea is when you get up in the morning, you'd rather come down and have a cup of tea than pick up your phone. Oh, I like Very that. difficult. Very difficult. The Twitter feed keeps calling me from the corner. It's you, it's you that's finding it difficult, right? No one else. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So how many devices are you trying to stay away from? Uh, as far as possible, all of them. TV. Oh, yes. Clock. Yes. Uh, clock, clock you can't. Clock you can't it's stay device, away from. right? Ah. It, drives, it drives really? my life. Doesn't it? No. Well, at the modern world, it certainly mm-hmm. does, as of the last few hundred years at least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, we like to keep it up to date, don't we, Sai? Yeah, we do. Talk we do. Uh, on time. Yeah. <laughs> Current century. Alex, yourself, goals, ambitions, what's the challenge oh, at the moment? So the uh, biggest, most interesting challenge for me at the moment is we've made a bit of an organizational change uh, here. And now I'm going from leading a single function, so focus solely on architecture, which is um, talking to customers about um, their business needs and converting those into technical solutions and guiding customers through that journey into cloud. And then actually looking after a delivery function as well. So with uh, project management and build and engineering resources, all part of the same function. So it's really exciting and really interesting, but actually by it's, it's also a big challenge because it's actually you've got multiple focuses then and you're actually focusing on uh, the front end of a customer relationship, but also the delivery end. So it's been really, really interesting to kind of... Uh, I, I've, we, we talk a lot about strengths, and it might come up today actually mm. as part of the session, but... At Rackspace, we talk about strengths and 
in my top five strengths um, that we we all at Rackspace have printed on the back of our badges. So I've got learner, input, analytical, achiever, and ideation. And those are strengths where the things that I enjoy most and my preferences are around gathering information, learning more and more, and then kind of making connections between those different things and then coming up with ideas as to you know ways to improve things. So it's really exciting and it kind of fits with my strengths, but it's also really challenging because it's, it's, there's so many different ways you can go with it. Cool. So I think that's a good segue then into talking about strengths. So Alex, you, you mentioned strengths. I, I am obviously aware of them for the purposes of our listeners then. Uh, Gallup's Strengths Finder was based on a study many years ago where, I can't remember the guy's name, but he, he combined something like a hundred and something strengths together. I should really have the stats. Put the study together that says, here are 32 strengths that any one individual can identify with. Mm-hmm. Now, we all have strengths and weaknesses and you can work on your weaknesses. Sure, I'm not saying you can't. <laughs> what the what this study suggests is if you focus on your strengths, you will gain more traction, you will uh, progress further in your career and your life mm-hmm. by focusing on them. And so you do a survey. So I remember before I joined Rackspace, there was a survey given to me, and they say it's got nothing to do with the actual employment once yep. already approved. Mm-hmm. Roughly 45 questions. No, more than that. Buddy. Is it more? Yeah, 170-something wow. questions. Was it that many? God, I'd forgotten that. The, the, it's it's interesting because they they don't they only give you a few seconds to answer yeah. the question yeah. before they move on, and and the questions are not they're not polarized. No. They are things. For example, I'm just making this up now. Uh, I really like to work in a team. Offset with I like to check my emails regularly. Mm-hmm. Now you might be you might like both, but you have to decide which one of those you are more, and you're only allowed mm-hmm. to pick a few in the middle. And so you do this survey, and it prints out, like Alex was saying, a, a list of strengths, and the top five get printed onto your badge, and your top ten are, are printed and left on your desk. So, sorry, what what are some of your strengths, and maybe how have they helped you? I think it's spot on to start with. So I've got harmony, context, consistency, top three. And for me, that, that makes complete sense, because when we're in meetings and we have two opposing topics or two opposing points, my automatic pathway is to find harmony between these two, find the middle one. Mm-hmm. And it, it works really well with the strengths. So I know what I'm looking for. Uh, and it helps in a lot of discussions because I have context. When I talk to someone about problems, they automatically know that I need more context. Mm-hmm. I work with context. You're not going to go in blind. You're not going to be a get exactly. your get the best out of your output by going in blind. So actually, by sharing your strengths with others that you work with, you can actually work more closely together because yep. you understand yeah. how each other function. Absolutely, I think, and this might be good for yourself, Alex. So the study isn't just that that you get your own. There are then courses around it that help managers understand. I've got this bunch of strengths in my team. Mm-hmm. Who works well with who, and, and the rest of them. Have you looked at anything like that for yeah, your new, yeah. new, new So we, we, it was actually really interesting. Uh, what you t- I think you do tend to get trends on some of the strengths uh, around the roles that people are in, enticed to as part of their career. So as an example, within solution architecture, we have loads and loads, probably I'd say 80 or 90% of the team will have learner and achiever in their top five, six, seven, that kind of thing. Yes. Um but at the same time, you might also find that you have some gaps where you don't have strengths. And one of the benefits of being a leader of a team where you understand the strengths of the team is you can see where you're going to be really strong and how you can deploy the team in that way, but also where you have gaps and you need to almost like over-rotate or overcompensate a little bit mm-hmm. just to account for the fact that you know you're not necessarily, I don't know, let's pick one at random. Like Let's say Wu 
Right, so let's say we know, and for those um, who don't know strengths, uh, so woo is really about um, getting energy from building new relationships and these kinds of things. Um, if you don't have that kind of strength in the team or ones in that area, because there are usually kind of clusters of strengths which are all very related, um, you know that you kind of have to overcompensate, overrotate within the right. within the team or within you know activities uh, in order to be able to make sure that you don't um, miss out on things or equally augment that. So it's a prime example. You might have, I don't know, let's say a project manager who's got loads of woo. So maybe you're working on a project together and you want somebody who's got some, some of that woo there that mixes in with the, you know, the learner, the achiever, the input Perfect. and so on and so forth. So it's about finding a blend across a team as well mm-hmm. as, a, as, a, as, as individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really like Clifton Strengths Finder for that reason. Um, got a, got a PDF don't know if I'm going to share it, about brings and needs for, for particular strengths. So Activator, for example, uh, they bring a catalytic uh, sense of urgency and they need less discussion, more action. Uh, so maybe I'll, I'll share this with mm. some people at some point. I think with, well, we could probably put something like that yeah. in the show notes as well. And we'll also do some links to the, to the Strengths to the Finder strength surveys finder. for anybody who's interested in yep. finding out what theirs are. Yeah. So Strengths Finder is one of them. Are there any other quiz or analysis type studies that you know or are aware of so yeah uh mbti or myers-briggs is something that um i actually in a even in a previous role there was a company i worked for who they saw a lot of benefit in understanding and helping people to understand what it is uh and it's it's a way of i think it's a bit less specific in some ways than strengths just purely because you have instead of having 32 column pigeonholes if you know Mm -hmm. somebody was being a bit cynical but um you're down to 16, but they kind of go into a lot more depth around the uh, the personality traits of an individual. It was actually Carl Jung that did the study that MBTI was then built on. Um, and the essence of that theory is that there are obviously, it, you know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. Everyone's got their own skills, <laughs> talents, and, and unique um, traits that they bring to any one scenario. But there must be some type of... Uh, pattern or um variation in what those are and so mbti mbti brings those together um and they're, they're quite loosely so what's the first one uh, introvert versus extrovert so sensing versus yeah. so yeah, extroversion introversion yeah. then it goes on to sensing and intuition so actually the questions they ask and maybe you can do this very quickly for for anyone listening so if you think about your world do you prefer to focus on the outer world or your own inner world so for those at home, just write down which of those two it is. The next section covers information. Do you prefer to focus on the basing information you take in, or do you prefer to interpret and add meaning? So again, just make a note of which one of those two. Decisions. So when making decisions, do you prefer to first look at logic and consistency, or do you first look at people and the special circumstances? Very last ones on structure. In dealing with the outside world, do you prefer to get things decided or do you prefer to stay open to new information and options? And so then when you figure these all out and you can do it yourself if you just Google MBTI, you'll figure out what your personality type is. So mm-hmm. you could be extroverted or introverted, E or I, sensing or intuition, that's S or N. There's thinking or feeling, T or F, and then there's judging or perceiving. So you'll get a four letter acronym at the end of it and then you know read up reports online mm-hmm. uh, 16personalities.com i believe yep. will give you a very quick 12 minute uh, quiz in which you can learn about yourself and all, all these tools in strengths finder 
MBTI, they're all tools used to help you understand yourself better Indeed. Uh, so that you can progress further uh, in, in some yeah. of the work that you carry out. It's a really, really good approach. Um, uh, I was talking to, I, I've spoken to other customers and people who come and talk to us. Uh, coincidentally, a um, few of our customers have actually adopted it internally because they found it very useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was talking to a customer who's who's sort of had some uh, experience with psychiatry, psychoanalysis, oh, etc. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how um, this thing about anxiety, uh, where anxiety towards the lack of knowledge of certain topics is growing. So when someone oh, comes yeah. new into a job, the fact that they don't know what they're doing or they don't know fully what they're doing causes them anxiety. So knowing yourself and your strengths will help you understand where you can apply yourself to mm-hmm. that position how you're going to get quickly to value exactly. or returning the value that you're getting exactly. from the role. So, so exactly. Like, like for me, because context is one of my strengths, I know that I don't want to jump anything blind. So I always automatically ask for context. Gives me confidence to know that I will get the result. So it's really, really useful, really strong, really powerful as well. I think the, the interesting bit there as well is, is it's, it's preferences more than, I mean, I joked a little bit about pigeonholes, but it's not really truly pigeonholing. It's more about what, you know, given a typical scenario, where would your preferences typically lie? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean if you're, for example, if you're E versus I, extrovert versus introvert, um, they are, they're also combinations, aren't they? So depending yeah. on how you have extroversion with other things, yeah. such as judging or sensing or whatever, um, you're going to react slightly differently in different situations. But most of the time, you might tend towards extroversion yeah. in one scenario, but in other scenarios, you might be more introvert. One of the ones I found was most interesting for me, because I, I, mine, mine is ENTJ. Um, so from that, uh, when you go into the really detailed versions, um, I read about, uh, I actually, it helps me to develop ideas by verbalizing them. It's probably why I That's quite why enjoy doing podcasts. Doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it, you kind yeah. of develop the ideas as the words are coming out of your mouth, your brain is processing that and turning it into the next part of that idea. Whereas other people with their, um, say introversion doesn't necessarily mean they don't talk to human beings or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It means that they process their ideation inside of their brain and then they will come out with a, with a, with a conscious thought. Yeah. And so, yeah, so these are not definitions, you don't define yourself by them, but mm-hmm. you know, they're tools. You use these tools to help you progress. And again, this is not just professionally. The, the comprehensive report that you're referring to, I've read that too for myself. I'm mm. um, ENFJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and it tells you about, you know, sort of career, relationships, family life, social circles. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. Um, and when you read something and you're just like, how do they know so much about me? You know, <laughs> the, the, the cameras? Of, yeah. <laughs> so that film, uh, Jim Carrey. The Truman Show. Truman the Show. Truman Show, yeah. Okay, so we've got bits about different tools we can use. We've sort of touched briefly on, on personal development. I'm going to ask the question, Why? Why should you do personal development? Why do you think that might be important? It's a really good question. I, I think it's from an aspect of moving along with your thoughts, with your abilities. Um, I think it's, a, it's an absolute necessity to know which direction you're heading. And the best way to know it and to apply it is through personal development. Okay, and that's not at work either. That's that's just general life. Areas of life. Yeah, I I think, and I'm going to take the IT angle on this, right? (laughs) I think it's super easy for us in IT to go, oh, I'm going to learn about all these IT things, right? You know, so I've certified in cloud, you know, all the clouds and all the rest of it. And that's the that's the bit that we're comfortable with. It's easy to do. 
uh, we're in our comfort zone. You mentioned comfort zone earlier, right? Our comfort zone is learning more technology, playing with home labs, playing online with stuff, right? And we, I think it's almost like we can be fooled into thinking that's the be-all and end-all. But yeah. actually, it's just as important to spend some time understanding and developing the sometimes termed soft skills. Yeah. But, you know, whatever whatever that actually is, is just as important because for me to be successful in talking with a customer, for example, and helping them, I need to focus on my relationship with that customer. How do I talk to them, uh, et cetera, not just about what's the technical solution to their problem. Because if I can't communicate properly with them, how can I get yeah. to the right solution? You might have all the technology and the knowledge, but mm-hmm. in that room, if you're not engaging with them on a human, on a commercial, on, on a different basis, mm-hmm. um, it might be different. So I, I jotted down a few notes as to why I think personal development is important. So there are gains to be made. So personally, right, as an individual, as a person, navigating yourself through life, if you are developing yourself, you're going to gain in that way. So not just personally then, professionally. So as you're alluding to, you know, getting certifications, some of the mm-hmm. soft skills, and, and some of these also you can certify in and, and become better at. So an example of that would be uh, David Allen's Getting Things Done. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is something that That's Alex and I were talking book. about. Yeah. That is amazing. So I, I've not read the book. I did a, a two-day course on it, and admittedly it was a few years ago, but have implemented areas of that into my life mm-hmm. that make things better, more efficient, and ultimately I get some stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the professional gain, again, that's not just for you. It's for your company. Now, if you look at Rackspace, and in particular the department that we're working in, we very proudly can boast the number of cloud certifications we've got. That gives us rapport with new clients and also shows the industry that we kind of know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had any examples of where this has helped us? Uh, maybe with new clients or prospects? Uh, so it's almost like, to get the certification is not the end goal. It's a step which allows you to demonstrate the knowledge, but actually it's the the journey to learning that knowledge is the key part. But it just makes it much easier. When you say to a customer, you know, um, our team alone did a, what was it? So far this year alone has been about 130-odd certifications. Um, it shows that we have that baseline of knowledge prior to any further conversation. So they know they're talking to an expert before they've even started. The next level of that, though, is a bit like if we look at the old days, you know, you used to talk about MCSEs <laughs> as must consult someone experience, right? <laughs> so the certification gets you so far, yeah. Yep. But then, really, you, it's the it's the other parts of your knowledge and skills and expertise that you need to then demonstrate to then actually take the customer to the next step, and that's the bit where they build more trust. Mm. I suppose that's probably the key word, isn't it? It's trust. So, True. certifying is a way to demonstrate an initial level of trust to kind of open the door mm. and have that start of a conversation. And then from there, you're into kind of proving that level of knowledge and skill and expertise. And that, that keeps you with, with integrity too. And I think also hats off to the certificate providers, you know, the, the industry players out there in that the certifications or at least the training provided for certifications is not a passbook into how to pass the exam. Mm-hmm. It's how to do the job role and as a result of that, you should yeah. be able to pass the exam and, and win customers in that way. Um, okay, and then last thing I've got on my list then about why personal development is passions. Yep. So how do we think, and anyone can answer this, is how do your own passions help you grow with personal development? Is there something in your life that you've... It's 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 and again it's a very interesting point and again because we are uh, 
to, to for lack of a better phrase, tech geeks in here. <laughs> um, I think uh, a lot of our passions drive our thinking and the direction we want to head into. Mm-hmm. You know, why are we into cloud? Because we are geeky enough to <laughs> look at it and think about it and see this is the most amazing thing that's been created. Mm-hmm. So hey, we're gonna we will get into it and work on it. But I think passions to a great extent directly relate to where you're good at and what you do. Um, I think I think one of the in- initiatives um, that the, the the leaders, at least at Rackspace, our department have taken on is the whole concept of wider contributions. Mm, definitely. Mm-hmm. And and effectively, uh, a, a part of wider contributions that talks about things that are not related to the job profile or anything. So mm-hmm. we do, we do. Uh, I mean, Alex, you know more than this. We do this uh, nerd and learn mm-hmm. um, activities that's every every week, I think, or every two weeks, where you just come and talk about things you're passionate about and it doesn't have to do mm-hmm. anything oh well, we've had all sorts of do. subjects there we've had yeah. race driving that's we've right. had uh diving we've had all sorts of stuff virtual reality the perfumes virtual reality. Yeah. yeah perfumes yeah yeah. 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 yeah yeah it's the thing is i think with things like that and it, it, it applies to speakers at a nerd and learn or mm. it applies to the way that you interact with the people that you work with and the way you interact with customers if you're passionate about it comes across it does and if you're not passionate about it that also comes across really clearly so it the does. people who are in this career and in this part of our industry for example they're super passionate about the technology and then they're super passionate about the outcomes for the customers I mean, you get people who enjoy both those things and you combine those it, you just stand back and you can see it like you could just be a fly on the wall in any meeting and you can hear the passion that comes out of people's voices when they're talking about how i don't know how kubernetes is going to solve this customer's problem or, you know, I know there'll be lots of people saying Kubernetes doesn't solve all problems. No, but, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, or they'll go, oh, serverless. Like, you've got this business problem and this is going to solve it for you. Yep. And you can see the excitement in people. And I think that's actually, for me, is the bit that people I see around us bringing to the office every day is the, is the excitement of combining that technology with the problem solving for customers. And that's the bit that, you know, for me, yeah. it certainly drove and drives my career today. Absolutely. And passion's super critical in that, in that instance because – as you said, if you're if you're in a meeting, you're talking to people, and you're passionate about a topic, you don't really need to prepare. You yeah. don't need to work too hard on it. <laughs> Is this side saying you didn't prepare for this? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, kind of. Or any other meeting. Yeah. Uh. Or, or any meeting. No, I just I just come and talk. But yeah. some of the things I've seen, just you know, I've been in this department, God, maybe eighteen months now, and so this podcast, for example, clearly people are passionate about putting it together, and and hats off to those. The other things that we we do within solution architecture, uh, blogging, uh, <laughs> writing articles, putting webinars together, and so yeah, I, I agree. The passions that people or, or rackers have for technology, mm-hmm. for bringing customers outcomes that they need for their business, um, and and helping everyone on that journey, whether it's digital transformation or it's a new workload, whatever that might be, bringing those together is ultimately what wins and, and helps people win. Um, Okay, so here's a scenario that I have learned the easy way, the hard way, um, and wanted to get your thoughts on it too. So as a typical solution architect, you sometimes don't know who's going to be in the room with you when that potential customer prospect comes along. How do you deal with having a mixed audience? And by mixed, I mean maybe technical and non-technical. That's a really tricky question. I think it, it varies. It really does vary by the audience, funnily enough. But... I think you've you've got to start with understanding 
the characters in the room. And actually, funnily enough, some of the stuff we talked about, about personality traits and those kind of things, you can uh, you can pick up on pretty quickly in a room. Um, the, the, the people who lead the room versus the people who are looking more thoughtful and consuming what's going on around them. And then they're just coming out with, you know, quite articulate thoughts, but maybe not trying to drive conversations and those kind of things. So I think, first of all, you're going to have a mixture of personalities. And then the other thing, because of the type of, in, again, the type of industry we're in, you can have a real mixture of uh, knowledge and skills and expertise. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the first time we've been in a room with a CFO uh, and the head of development. And those two people have very different yeah, thoughts and views on how the world works. And so actually a bit of what, say, a solution architect does is um, kind of like a, a tech whisperer. So you're kind of doing a bit of a translation piece between having a conversation with the technical person, but also translating that language into something that non-technical yep. people can consume and understand. And that's as much the, the key part of an essay, I think, is talking about business, talking about the business requirements, and then and then converting that into a technical solution. Mm. I mean, I mentioned that phrase earlier on, but that's, that is the key. That's the, the tech whisperer part. I love that. Um, tech whisperer. Imagine when Alex's computer dies, he's whispering to it, no, no, please, <laughs> <laughs> please turn back on. <laughs> I think we all do that at some point, well. sitting in front of the server saying, please don't crash, please don't crash. It's usually not whispering, though. Not whispering, no. You're, just, you're, you're praying. There's, there's a good meme for that saying, the server's down, and the tech goes into the room saying, please, server, don't be down. <laughs> but no, on, on a serious note, um, tech whisperer or... or converter of technology so something i often say when when customers ask is what i'm doing is helping you meet your business needs using technology as an enabler and i think growing up my whole life being the tech guy around my friends and, and solving all those it issues was here's a problem how do you fix it with technology and that technology doesn't necessarily have to be computers and it and clouds but whatever that might be around you as simple as outlook crashing or why does internet explorer have so many toolbars <laughs> built in i don't know the, the problems are endless. So Alex, the, the scenario you painted there with the developer and the CFO being worlds apart, I just want to play on that a little bit further. So I have found, and I'm speaking to colleagues as well, you, sometimes you don't know who's going to be in the room. It could be CFO, CTO, CEO, even CMO. And so when we're trying to have a technical conversation with, say, the guy from finance, he's interested in the numbers, right? How financially does this solution stack up? When you're with the CMO, you're talking another language. He will be, or he or she will be talking in marketing terms. You know, what does this do for my engagement or our SEO? Uh, have you come across scenarios, or could you lend a hand to our listeners on describing what some of those differences are and what's important to make sure happens in the room? So, thanks for that interesting question, there, <laughs> Simon. Um, no, actually, uh, d jokes aside, I think the key thing there is to understand it's the Simon Sinek view of the world, right? Sure. It's what is the why mm. for the individual? Because there's a there's a thing we talk about all the time, both within Rackspace, but also just in IT in general, stakeholder management. Talk to any project manager, right? Every single one of those stakeholders will have different views and viewpoints. Mm. Um, and there is going to be a why and a, as you might put it, Simit, a so what mm. for each of those individuals. And the, the key thing is to try to find some harmony between those individuals to get towards a solution that's actually going to work for all, but also to make sure that it's really clear to each person who's part of a project, yep. um, you know, what is it that's going to actually benefit their part of their business. And that's, that's the, I suppose that's the, that's the trick, not the trick, the, um, the beauty. Yeah. 
<laughs> the, beauty. The, the, the beauty in it, in the traits of a solution architect. Yeah, it's some, and you know, this is a lot of what attracted me to this role. Previously, I worked in technical support, very transactional. Mm-hmm. Don't know kind of what issues you're going to get every day. Sometimes repetitive work. Uh, moving over the fence, so to speak, into architecture and sales enablement is yes, I still get the variety every day of solving different challenges. But it's speaking with those different people. Mm-hmm. And so having an audience where I can talk tech all day long till I'm blue mm-hmm. in the face, growing up around technology. But then having the business conversation with the, the CEO or the CMO to say, right, you take this cloud or that cloud or this technology. What does that do for you? How does that enable mm. your business to grow faster? How does that help you focus on your business and not worry about uh, the bits and the bytes yep. and the RAM and the, the ROM? So funnily enough, we actually did an episode <laughs> in on that exact vein. Uh, oh, was it about six months ago? Yeah, more than um, that, I think. Yeah, with George Earp, which was which was looking at the why of IT, and I think that for anybody who uh, is interested in hearing a little bit more about that, uh, we'll put a link back to that one in the show notes as one of our previous episodes. But actually, funnily enough, I think it says <laughs> a lot about um, how people approach. Um, building their own personal development in actual fact that is one of our most popular episodes ever yep. in terms of overall downloads and it's because i think it really speaks to what people are looking to understand more about absolutely okay and so for those people who are listening and thinking oh great personal development i've got that book on my shelf that i wanted to read <laughs> or i've got that article that someone sent me but i'm just not finding the time mm. oh what, yes what advice do you think you could give it that it, it it is the most difficult concept to get around. Um, it's both at professionally at work. How do you make the time to mm-hmm. do your work and develop in your work? And at the same time, how how do you go back home and have that downtime yeah. effectively, mm-hmm. which is important too. Absolutely, mm-hmm. you've got to have recovery to come back in full force. Your brain it's, can't it's, process the things you've learned if it doesn't exactly. have the rest time to do so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think it helps. Uh, one of the things that I found out very recently, and I still haven't got a full grasp of it, but apparently in 365, Office 365, there is a tool called Analytics. Yes. Have you have you looked at it? Yeah, it just went, actually, funnily enough, it just went live for us this week on our license. It so is we've fantastic. Been, I've been looking at that. It's really interesting. It So basically, because we're using... Uh, just for, for our listeners here, we use SharePoint, Outlook, every, everything is in that mm-hmm. Microsoft ecosystem. Every time uh, I open a document on SharePoint, uh, I do anything in interaction, mails, meetings, it tracks. And it's not the creepy tracking, it's just <laughs> it's <laughs> what, tracking, what apps creepy. you've been using. No, not necessarily so apps. So, I so hope we can not. pull up a report on site. <laughs> He's not using any of these. <laughs> What's he been doing? Yes. Internet Explorer. All Mission day. accomplished. <laughs> with the, with uh, the several toolbars. But, but the good thing I found out is it, it knows when I've accessed these outside of business hours. Mm. And it tells Ooh. me as a well-being, where's my well-being score? Mm-hmm. So over the, across the month, how many days have I just worked during business hours and switched wow. off mm-hmm. after I've, business hours? I've got hours? a bad habit of, of checking. It's a bad habit. Checking work email in non-work time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Committed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it can be a bad habit. I yeah. can, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I've been on holiday. Right? Checking totally, email. And, and checking mail. Yeah. Keeping 
tabs or, or just want to know what's going on. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, my, I think it's called My Analytics or something like that. It's re- exactly. really useful feature. It also looks at things like this actually is an interesting point in collaboration. One of the things that some of the analytics gives you back is who are the people you collaborate with most yes. based on which meetings you're attending and things like that. It tells you what percentage of your time you're in meetings versus productive time. Because I think to your point, you mentioned about time, right? So it's very easy for us to get drawn into doing 5,000 meetings yeah. a week and then not doing, not having time to actually be productive outside of that, but then yeah. also to, to spend time learning. So I think there's a couple of points there that, first of all, you need to find those little slices of time to give yourself learning. Learning doesn't have to be a whole day of doing a thing. It could mm. be half an hour, an hour of, okay, I'm just going to go and learn this one thing. Or I'm going to read this blog article. I'm going to do this thing. And you carve those bits of time out. I find for me personally... Um, in the car, because the commute is dead time, right? Mm. So I do, for me, I find a, a good balance between personal and work is I'll read uh, a book about uh, something that's going to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll read it in front of me. Sorry, audiobooks is what I meant to say. Um, so Kindle has this amazing feature where you buy the book, you can then buy the audiobook for a small amount extra, let's say like three quid or something yeah. like that. And then you can flip backwards forwards between the two. So you could be sitting in bed at night reading your Kindle book and then you get in the car in the morning and it automatically starts playing the audiobook from the point where you left off. So I go 50-50. Every second book I read, I'll read something that will help me to learn personal development. And then the other one will be something just for me. So at the moment, I'm reading uh, Foundation, one of the Foundation and Empire books by Asimov. I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Um, you couldn't have guessed, could you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think that's it's finding those spaces in your time, in your calendar, and in your di- your day where you can develop yourself without necessarily having to completely break up the day as well. Yeah. Quick, quick pro tip in there then. So talking about carving out small sections of time, something I took from getting things done, GTD, was mm. if something takes two minutes, then just do it. Mm-hmm. Right? When the, the first two minutes you have to attempt something, you should, so any articles, any blog posts that I come across and I look at the scroll bar and it's not too too uh, small, mm-hmm. I'll just read it. I'll just read that article, dedicate my time to that, mm-hmm. process it, digest it, decide where it needs to go, store, do I share it, yep. uh, and, and move on. So, Totally... F- um- Side topic on what you mentioned there, Alex, about Kindle and audiobooks. I, I don't know if you guys have come across this thing called Blinkist. I've heard of it. Uh, I find it really good. So basically, the, it, it condenses a yes, book into yes. a 15-minute audio oh, or 15-minute okay. audio and text. And it gives you basically the synopsis of what that book is. It's like Cliff Notes. Pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty Does much. Medium do something similar? I no, think I'm so. Sure. I think but Blinkist, so. yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard of that. So I've used that. I've used it a couple of times. It's exactly as you're saying while driving, but where my attention span is not more than 15 minutes, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, 15 minutes before you look up from your screen. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the beeping. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> we should be, I don't know, we should be <laughs> promoting. Yeah, just for the clarity out here, this is, uh, we are actually joking. Um, so yeah. I can't drive. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't drive. <laughs> Right, so so the question was around time. Mm. How do you find time in your already busy day? So carving out those two-minute sections, mm-hmm. flipping between technologies of, of audio and the actual books. Any other advice that we can give our listeners as to how to find that time? I think sometimes you also need to even just block out small subsections exactly. in the calendar, even if it's to that point, if it was half an hour, right? If you block out half an hour each day or every you know couple of days or whatever to work on things that are personal to your development, whether it be 
could be writing a blog post, right? Because it actually could be yeah. you're developing yourself through producing something that's actually external content. And that's a great way for you to improve your writing skills, your articulation, etc. Or it could be you're doing something like consuming other content rather than creating yeah. it. But just having little bits blocked out in your calendar where you can move these around. And it's always much easier to do that. As we say, short time pieces, yeah. mm-hmm. easier to find half an hour than it is to find half a day. Yeah, yeah. I think the tricky bit is though, getting that time booked in and be strict about actually Depending using it. that time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people, especially younger um, colleagues who have come in, they, they want to maximize their uh, amount of time doing work, actual yeah. work. Yeah. And they tend to sort of overshadow they tend to overshadow those blocks that they book like mm-hmm. simple things like you 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 book you always take lunch every day mm-hmm. but nobody blocks out that time for lunch yeah and and, it, and it you let people in. so so exactly. i think yeah the the point you're getting at is you've got to defend that time absolutely and i've been in that situation where you've got something booked out but someone approaches your desk or so mm-hmm. oh, we've got two minutes to have a look at this thing and and so you want to be collaborative mm-hmm. you want to be helpful and so it's difficult sometimes to defend that time uh, so what people do is they set themselves a really high, big goal because that's the way of the world and you should you know, shoot for the moon and mm. if not, you aim for the stars. But that can sometimes hurt people in that that goal is so big or it's so far away, it might take a lot of effort to get to or a lot of time to get to. So what advice do you have for people that do have big goals, maybe can carve out some time, but just can't get that first step? I think that might be a leading question. Thing. Maybe. <laughs> it absolutely is a leading question take over. i think it may i think it may be something to do with uh setting small achievable steps mm. in terms of your goals and then building momentum through towards actually the greater the greater goals am i on the yeah i, I think so <laughs> I, it's, it's, a, it's a train of thought I, I know alex knows of and you know in in the wider world of personal development and growth and, and business and that kind of thing it is about what people will do is we call it analysis paralysis. Right? Yeah. Mm. You, you analyze your, pro- your problem or your mission statement, whatever it might be, and you're paralyzed by that. You're not taking the step. So bit bit tongue-in-cheek, but when you climb um, a set of stairs, you don't jump to the top of the stair first. You take that first step. Yep. So an iterative process about moving forward. And another thing we can help people with is if you take a look at your goal or your objective or that thing that you want to do is try to understand how you get about that can you qualify it can you quantify it can you at all measure it mm. because what gets measured then gets accomplished so taking those small steps and setting yourself mini goals so uh, yep. i listened to a podcast earlier about being micro ambitious mm. set wow. yourself small goals daily that add up to your big goal mm-hmm. and celebrate those small wins and and here here comes the part about setting yourself up for success So if you say to yourself, today I'm going to read an entire book, Eh, I don't know. If it's realistic, great, go ahead with it. But if you can say, today I will read one page, then you do that maybe Mm -hmm. a couple of times, and the next, okay, now I'm going to read a chapter. And so you iterate yourself to make yourself better and better, more efficient, more strategic, uh, and eventually get to some of those goals that you have. Did I answer all my own questions there? (laughs) You did. Although, interesting, that actually also fits to the the getting things done methodology, actually. Mm. It fits quite well into there because often with getting things done, your analysis paralysis is is around you've got this massive project to achieve or this massive task to achieve. And the question he always says, um, Dave Allen always says, is what's the next action? Mm. That's the most important thing to focus on now. What is the next action I need to take now to then progress this? And often when you're looking at something that, you know, if you've got to eat an elephant, you know, how are you going to 
How are you going to start? Are you going to yeah. start with the toenails? Or? Good question. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but you get my point. Well, that's been brilliant. Thank you very much, Simit, for uh, for stealing the show, quite <laughs> frankly. Uh, <laughs> but before we finish up, just one last little thing. So we've, uh, and I think we may have a good indication as to what the answer to this might be, but um, book recommendation of the month. We've gotten into a habit now where we like to to get our guests to come up with some a book or a couple of books that they've they've taken inspiration from or that they'd recommend to everybody. So do you want to give us your book recommendation of the sure. month? Sure. So I'm going to be cheeky. I'm going to go for two. Oh. One, because we kind of have already spoken about it, which is David Allen's Getting Things Done. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's the book you pick up or the course, there's lots of material out there. Mm-hmm. Really handy, really useful. And the second one, personal favorite of mine, Simon Sinek, you alluded to it earlier, Start yep. With Why. Mm-hmm. Um, having been through that, it makes me look at not just life, but personally freshening everything in, in a new light. The, the so what question. So Start With Why, Simon Sinek and GTD by David Allen. That's brilliant. Thank Fantastic. you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, for challenging us with some of your questions there, Simit. <laughs> I think we're going to have to up our game for our next podcast, aren't we, Pretty Simit? much. Pretty much. Um, so thank you again, Simit, for joining us. Um, so um, we would massively appreciate it if you guys uh, would like to give us a wee review on iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite podcatcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, uh, you can find us at Spotting Clouds. Cool. So I think just before I let you wrap up, because I have taken over today, truly, this is my <laughs> call to action to all those people listening. There are two trains of thoughts when it comes to news reducers. One of those people that think, yes, I'm going to change. I'm going to become new. I'm going <laughs> to do something different. And then there are the cynics that say, oh, if you really want to do something, well, you have to wait for the new year and that whole. I say throw both of those out the window. Forget about what people are saying. Get a pen and paper and write down some things that you want to action. Break those down into smaller sections and see how can I win today? What are those small steps I can take? How can I be micro-ambitious? And start today. Start after listening to this podcast. What's one thing you want to work on? How you can make incremental steps into achieving your goal and ultimately being a bigger, better, happier, healthier person. (laughs) 